I want to thank you again for being with us and welcome. Happy New Year's to you. We're so glad you're here this morning. It's a special day uh, that we, not often that we get to be together on January 1st, but we're grateful today that we get to be together on this first day of the new year. There's something about the Bible and the teaching that we see in the Bible about what is given to us first and how we steward the first fruits or the first fruits of our time, talents, and treasures. And that is exactly what we're doing today. We're using our time, talents, and treasures, giving it first to the Lord. And with that thought in mind, we are beginning this month, our month of prayer and fasting. And this isn't something we, we do to just put it on the calendar and say we did it and move on. Uh, we genuinely do it as a way of saying to the Lord, God, we need you. This year, everything that's going to happen, we need you. Even last month, as things were happening and God was beginning to work and, and move in different areas of our church and answer needs and help people, I even felt during that time, as I was thinking forward to January, that the Lord just began to speak into my heart. Did you not pray for these things last January? And I thought, yes, Lord. Even here, and there we were in December, God was still answering prayers that we had prayed, but leaning on the Lord, acknowledging him in all of our ways. And that's what we're doing this month. We're giving ourselves to say, Lord, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to call upon you. There are some things in our lives that we need to realign with the Lord or get our hearts adjusted. And there are some needs in our community we need to pray for and ask God for. And all of those things are great. But I found that one of the things that happens uh, that's a wonderful byproduct of prayer and fasting is that there becomes this sense of God's love in my life like I needed over and over again. I become aware of the presence of Jesus with me, and there becomes a sense of gratitude. And we need that more and more and more. And I want that this year to know I can't make it without Jesus. And we want to invite you to be with us throughout this month. We're going to have some special prayer points and things that we want to accomplish through our time of praying and fasting and, and specifically during our prayer meeting as well. But we invite you to pray and fast however the Lord leads you. Some people might fast for several days. Some people might fast a meal or two here or there. Uh, some people uh, might not be able to, and we understand but however God leads you, there's nothing like that heart that just says, yes, Lord, I will do that. I found in the seasons of my life this year, this past year and years previous, that whenever there was a situation before me that I didn't quite know what to do or where to go, or I came at a crossroads, it was in, often in those moments where I felt like God would say, why don't you take a, a, some time and fast? And it became amazing to me how God used those moments to really get my heart able to be at a place where I could hear the Lord free of distractions and say, Lord, you know what? I am going to, instead of, of putting food on the table in front of me, I'm going to say, Lord, I just want to be with you. Listen to what you have to say. And it's a wonderful thing that God teaches us. So we encourage you to be with us this month throughout our month of prayer and fasting. And we're excited to see all that God is going to do this year. I am excited. And with that being said this morning, I want to just give you some uh, words of advice, I guess you could say, as we approach a new year 
uh, words of wisdom straight from the scripture. And this morning, we're going to be kind of a student of the word. And I, I thought to myself as I was looking over this, I want to be a better student of the Bible this year. Don't you? I want to sit down and look at the Bible, and I just want to allow the Lord to speak to me. Listen, what is God saying? Take time to read over it. You know, sometimes it's great to have Bible reading plans and, uh, and maybe set list of times we're going to read and, and all of that. But there's something about, too, as well, about having Scripture and just being able to reread it. And allow yourself to ponder and say, Lord, what are you saying to me through this? And it's amazing what God might say to you and I when we just stop and say, yes, Lord, what are you saying? And it's amazing how even a scripture here we're going to read this morning. I've read it hundreds of times, probably I've maybe even preached from it before, but even new, the fresh meaning and life brought to me this morning. And so I hope it'll be an encouragement to you today as we talk this morning about a word here that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 5. And I have my lovely daughter here somewhere. I think she stepped out. And uh, she is a wonderful ball of personality, I guess I should say. And she's at this stage now in her life as a uh, 16-month-old where she is uh, mimicking everything I say, or trying at least. And so, you know, we have, uh, um, Amaris is teaching her in the kitchen, and so she's uh, learning how to put things in a bowl and mix things and uh, scramble eggs and all of that. And her new word that she's just picked up on this week, week as she's come alongside and helped her mom is when she starts stirring things in the bowl is mix. And so Amaris would say mix, and she says mix, mix. And now we're at the point now where we, uh, we have an Alexa device in our house, and uh, she can't quite say Alexa. That has a few too many syllables. But she says, Aleha, Aleha, and looks up at her, says, baby, all the wonderful words that she's picking up from us, and it's quite amazing. And we're teaching her English and Spanish because we're bilingual, and so she's learning even those as fast as you would. It's just so crazy, like a sponge, just absorbing it right up. And... It a reminder, it's been a reminder to me, uh, one, be careful what you say around your children. But two, it's the, it's the principle of what Paul teaches us here in Ephesians chapter 5. And he uses a word here, it's Ephesians 5 verse 1, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is a, a, a thing, a, a teaching that maybe sometimes we might forget in our lives is that we, you and I, are called to be imitators of Jesus. What Jesus did, you and I ought to do. The life that he lived, you and I ought to do. The things that he practiced, you and I ought to do. I love how Eugene Peterson translated it, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, in the message. He says it this way. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you and keep company with him and learn a life of love. If you and I are going to be imitators of Jesus... 
and be imitators of God, then it requires a life that says, I am going to be with the one that I'm learning to imitate. If Eliana was never around me, my daughter was never around me, then she would not be able to imitate me because she couldn't see me. She couldn't learn from me. She couldn't hear me. But when she's around me, when I'm with her, she hears those words and she puts them into practice. And that is in the same way Paul is teaching them that if we're going to be imitators of Jesus, then it requires a commitment to be with Jesus. There's lots of things you and I can do for the Lord, but the Lord is not concerned as much as what we can do for him as who we are for him. And that is what God is calling, Paul is calling us through the Lord here to be imitators of God. And I love this word here in, in Greek is the word where we get our word. It's basically that to mimic to be one who does when they when she lifts her hands and you might have seen her here in the back and sometimes I have to keep from laughing I watch Eliana because she sees other people lift her hands she lifts her hands she's learned the art of mimicking and she's learning to practice it well and this is what Paul is calling us to is what Jesus does is the model for how we live to be an imitator and there's lots of advice we're going to hear this year. And all of us, uh, resolutions, they come and go and all of that. But this is one thing that's here. It's the word of God. It never comes and goes. It stays forever. And throughout this year and next year, whatever happens, we've been called to be imitators of Jesus. What the world needs is truthfully this. Can I just be real with you for a moment? Is less resolutions and more people to imitate Jesus. More people who look at Jesus and say, what Jesus does, I'm going to do. What Jesus did, I'm going to do. The way Jesus spoke, I'm going to do that. If our world is going to be changed, listen, it's not going to be through you and I. We missed that opportunity long ago. But our world has changed through the power of the gospel, through Jesus, and through us being imitators of God, practicing love, and doing what Jesus or Paul says here, and live a life of love. The Christian life is a life of love. It's a life of love for one another, and a life for the Lord God, with uh, loving the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. That's the life of love for the Christian. It's a love, a practice of walking in love, loving Jesus, loving our neighbor, and it's not always easy to do either, but it's a practice to continue, go back to the Father, and learning a life of love. Just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so Paul goes into this lengthy uh, text here, and we're going to read some of it this morning. Uh, but he goes through in Ephesians chapter 5, and he kind of has a, a layout here of what it means to be an imitator. And it's really easy, actually, uh, but it's very hard, I think, sometimes to put in practice because life challenges it. And he gives us three little sections here where he talks about how you and I have been called to imitate Jesus, to follow him. And what's really unique about this passage here is being an imitator of God essentially means this, to be a disciple of Christ. That's what Jesus left the disciples with, the command. Go into all the world teach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. 
And that's what we're doing. When you and I are imitating Jesus, we are becoming disciples of Jesus. And that's what the disciples did. They literally spent three years following his life, watching how he interacted with people, listening to what he spoke. And therefore, they were learning from that and putting it into practice in their own lives. And most of them didn't get it right till Jesus had already ascended into heaven. But they were learning. It was a disciple. It was a process. It was a process that Paul goes on to later call uh, this process of sanctification. It's this growing process. It starts and develops over time to be like Jesus. And so Paul gives us three areas of our lives that ought to imitate Jesus. And the first one here, he goes, he uses this paragraph in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 3. He says, among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because they are improper for God's holy people. And verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place. Instead, he calls them to this, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God, and let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such thing God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And he says this phrase here in verse 7, therefore do not be partners with them. Do not be partners with them. The th the, one of the areas of our lives that we've been called to imitate Jesus in is this first, what Paul has a focus here, is to let our words imitate Jesus. Let our words imitate Jesus. He calls them away from a life that would demonstrate a life of, he says, let there be no obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but let there be thanksgiving. The words of Jesus, you'll notice as you read the Gospels, as you listen to the words of Jesus, that the words of Jesus did not bring condemnation. And the words of Jesus did not bring shame. Or they did not bring reproach on the kingdom of God. And most certainly, they did not bring about evil. What did they bring about? They brought life. Life. When Jesus spoke, when his words went forward, even when he spoke to the Pharisees and Sadducees, some very harsh truths, it was not to condemn them. It was to speak life to them. It was that they might listen to the words of Jesus, accept truth, and use that truth and put it into practice in their own life. And so this is my kind of uh, uh, motto for the new year is learning from Paul right here is thanksgiving over unholy talk. Thanksgiving over unholy talk. When, you, when I'm tempted to say something that is impure, when I'm tempted to say something that is foolishness or coarse, the Bible says instead of that, let thanksgiving come out. Because listen, a grateful heart oftentimes refuses uh, evil. A grateful heart can't be evil at the same time. A grateful heart understands that if I'm going to be grateful to Jesus, then I have to cherish everything I've been given and make the most of it. It puts in practice what Jesus is saying here, or Paul is saying here, let there be thanksgiving. And he goes on and he calls them specifically, he says this, do not be partners with them. Do not be partners with them. Listen, this year, uh, what Jesus wants the most from you and I is to not be partners with unholy talk. 
but instead let there be thanksgiving talk. Listen, isn't it something when you're around somebody and they're just so grateful and there's gratitude, there's thanksgiving. That's somebody you want to be around. That's easy to be around that person. But when someone is speaking down about other people or speaking negative or speaking uh, uh, unholy in a way, it's hard to be around that person. It's, it's, It's difficult to be around that. And Paul goes to call them, and this is the words of Scripture. This isn't my words. This is the words of Scripture. Do not be partners with them, Paul says. Let the words that come out of our mouth glorify Jesus. Let's speak life. This year, I want us, you and I, to imitate Jesus' words when we speak that it's only there to build up somebody. If it's truth, it will build up. If it's gossip, it will tear down. If it's evil, it will tear down. But if it's love, it will build up. If it's truth, it will build up. If it's, if it's encouragement, it will build up. And that's what God wants for you and I. God is not in the business of tearing anybody down. He created you and I. Why does he want to tear us down? He created us. So if he created us, he's interested in building us. Us up. Even as believers, we are called to continue being built up. And you and I can help one another in the body of Christ by speaking life and letting our words imitate Jesus. Secondly, Jesus says this, or Paul says this here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, You were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord. Notice that he doesn't say you were once in darkness. He says you were darkness. You, were, you weren't just living in it. You were straight up darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And watch what he says here in verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. The second thing Paul calls them to is he says, firstly, let their words imitate Jesus. And then he says, let your deeds imitate Jesus. Let your deeds imitate Jesus. Now, I know when we're talking about living in darkness and living in light, uh, some of us might have an association with, well, I grew up in this background where they said, don't do this, don't do that, and don't do this, and a long list of rules and all of that. And you know what happens with a long list of rules? Every one of them gets broken. That's just the way rules work. But Jesus does not call us to a life of legalism. Remember, Paul said, walk in a life of love. And when love is in our hearts, What naturally happens is that we want to live in such a way that demonstrates that we love Jesus. Not that we want to keep a set of list of laws. They couldn't do that in the Old Testament, and you and I sure enough could not do it. But it demonstrates that my life is going to live in such a way to show I love Jesus. I may not be perfect. I may not have it all together, but I love Jesus, and I'm a work in progress. And God does not call us to a life of holiness because he's trying to give us a bunch of rules. It's because of the simple truth that if the light is in us, then light should shine through us. 
If the light is living in us, as Paul says, you were once darkness, but now you are light. If light is truly light, then it will shine brightly. But if darkness is darkness, then guess what it does? Nothing. It can't do anything. But if light is living in us, it will shine brightly as Jesus called us to be a light like a city set on a hill. Have, and he goes on to call them in, a, in talking about their deeds in the same way he did about their words, this idea of refusing it. Do not be partners and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. In other words, what Paul is calling him to do is turn your back on darkness. Don't even look at it anymore. Turn your back at it. Don't, put, don't give an eye to it anymore. Look at, let the light shine through you. Have your idea and your mind focused on Jesus. That all that I'm going to do is going to be a demonstration of light shining through me. The world needs more light, less darkness. The world doesn't need a, a bunch of people who can just keep rules and regulations and all of that. Our, our world has been trying to do that uh, for a long time. And listen, it fails over and over again. What the world needs is the presence of light living through you and I. And our deeds, as Jesus said, glorify our Father in heaven. They give glory to Jesus. And when, our, when we do good deeds to the world and we do them unto Jesus, it glorifies our Father in heaven is what Matthew says. And so when this year, all that is going to come before us, can we let our deeds imitate Jesus? That when we go and serve someone, or when we go to the grocery store, listen, they're nasty to us. They're rude to us. Listen, remember, you're light. You're not darkness. Charlie, listen, this year, whenever, whenever it happens, you're going to face some people. They might be rude. They might be ugly to you. But listen, you're light, not darkness. You're light, not darkness. This year, whatever happens when I'm facing and no one else can see what is going on and I'm stuck in a battle, a battle in my mind and thinking, should I do it? Should I not do it? Remember, I'm not in darkness anymore. The Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he's a what type of creation? A new creation. He's not the old creation anymore. That creation is it's the, it's gone behind us. New creation. And God wants us this year to live in such a way that light is bursting forward through us. It's amazing what happens. And I've heard this story over and over again. And even about people in this church. That when people are living in the light. And they are the light of the world. And they're going out. And they barely have to even say anything. And people will even come up and question them. And say, what? there is something different about you. Why do you smile like that? What is different about you? Why do you do that? I've noticed this, that you always do this one thing that is nice to the people in your workplace. Why do you do that? No one else does that. Why do you do it? It's the presence of light. And when light shines, listen, you can't, you can't hide it. You can't contain it. It's just going to shine. It's going to shine brightly. And that is what we've been called to do this year is to let our deeds imitate Jesus and to have a idea. I'm going to have nothing to do with darkness. I'm going to let my life imitate Jesus. Now, the wonderful thing that Paul does here is he makes a little transition as he continues here in Ephesians chapter five. He talks about their words. He talks about their deeds. And then he goes really where no one else is looking. And he goes to the heart. Because listen, if we're going to have words and deeds that imitate Jesus, it's not enough to just watch. Our hearts have to be transformed. And that's what Paul is getting at. There's a lot of people who try to do good deeds in the world. They try to do great things, wonderful things. 
But Paul goes on to teach us that the difference is, is when the heart is transformed by the power of Jesus. That heart is the heart that God wants. He goes on to say, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Our, our words and our deeds, yes, they have to imitate Jesus. But really where it starts is our heart has to imitate Jesus. And the thing that is challenging about the heart is that you can masquerade for a long time on your words and your deeds. But your heart you can't. And the heart you can't hide from the Lord. All is revealed to the Lord. All is plain to Jesus. There is no, no heart that is hidden from the Lord. There is no thing inside of us that we think, no one else knows about it. I'm just, I'm just fooling myself and fooling others. No, the Lord knows. And that heart is the heart that has to be transformed. So Paul gives them a few tips here about what it means to have a heart that imitates Jesus. First, he says to them, be very careful then how you live. Not unwise, but as wise. And he says this, how do you live as wise? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. A heart that is positioned humbly before the Lord and properly before the Lord is a heart that is prudent. And what I mean by that is a heart that understands time cannot be wasted. What I do for the Lord cannot be wasted. It cannot be squandered. That only you and I, the Bible teaches us our lives are like vapors. They're here and then they're gone. We are given just a limited window in life. And we're called to make the most of every opportunity. And so a heart that is positioned where the Lord wants it is a heart that understands, Lord, I've only got this much of my life to live. I don't even know how much, but I want it to be all for you and all for your glory, making the most of every opportunity. The second thing he says is he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There's a lot of people, they try to live their lives, Christians speaking too. There's a lot of people, they try to live their lives apart from the Lord's will. And I'll do it my way or the highway. And that's, listen, that's a heart that is not where the Lord's will is. God's will is perfect for all of us. And it may not be exactly what we thought or what we hoped. But listen, God is perfect in all of his way. Trust his will. That is a heart that understands, I am going to trust in Jesus. Thirdly, he says this, he goes on, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. A heart that is pure before the Lord is a heart that is filled with the Spirit. There is no renovation of the heart without the power of the Spirit renovating the heart. The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms our heart, not you and I. You and I, we cannot go in and do heart surgery where we need it to be done. Only the Lord can do that. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing what happens when God's Spirit comes and we're walking in darkness, but then we're transformed. And what used to be the lust of the flesh, 
flesh is now the fruit of the Spirit. What used to glorify darkness now glorifies the Lord. And that is a heart that is filled with the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. He calls them nextly. He says, now go on. And he says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This goes back to what he said earlier, to live a heart of gratitude with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. A grateful heart is a heart that understands everything is precious. It's a gift. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So therefore, live with thanksgiving. Why will we want to live always down, always looking down? Instead, why don't we praise God for his goodness? God has been good to us. He's been faithful to us. And this year, instead of complaining, instead of whining about this thing or that thing, let's do what Paul said. Let's speak with psalms and hymns. Let's take a song and get it stuck in our heart and say, you know what? It's been a terrible week. But praise God, he's still good. He's still faithful. Oh, my situation doesn't determine God's goodness. He's still faithful regardless. So I'm going to praise God. And lastly, as the musicians come, a heart that is positioned properly to imitate Jesus. This is the hard one here. This is the one that all of us, we have to say yes to the Lord on. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. A heart that imitates Jesus is a humble heart. And submission is about humility. And this is a hard one because one of the greatest troubles that has ever come to our planet is pride. It first struck Lucifer and now it threatens all of us. And pride is dangerous. And the way to defeat pride is to walk in humility. A heart that is transformed by the power of the gospel. And the way that you can discover how humility is at working in our lives is how well we submit to one another. How well we serve one another, love one another, go out of our way for others, not thinking about ourselves, esteeming ourselves, as Paul says in Philippians 2, not more highly than we ought, but loving one another with humility. This year, let's walk in humility. Let's say no to pride. No, Jesus, if there's anything that comes this year that's going to make me proud, arrogant, conceited, no, Lord, refuse it in Jesus' name. Let's get rid of pride. Lord, fill our hearts with humility, with a heart that says, Lord, my neighbor, they have a need. But you know what? They haven't always been the best neighbor. But say, but no, I'm going to be an imitator of God, and I'm going to go love them and serve them. That's humility. And that's the type of humility that Jesus said. Oh, you and I, we were nasty to him, refusing him. You say, but I wasn't there. Oh, we were there. Our ancestors were there. But yet Jesus came with humility, served us, loved us, and transformed us. Praise God. Aren't you grateful to be transformed? And this year, or whatever advice you might have, whatever you might be working on, can we, can we just put this one into practice? This will solve a lot of things in our lives and in our world. Let's be imitators of Jesus. What Jesus did, I'm going to do. Not just what he did, but who he was, God, transform my heart and let me be that way. Let me love others. Let me embrace humility. Let me walk honoring the Lord Jesus. Let's stand this morning. As the choir comes this morning, 
can we just all take a moment here today and say, Lord, this year, help me to imitate you. I don't want to do it just, just because I want my heart to be transformed. I want to be in it. Our world needs less counterfeits and the real deal. Light shining through us. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Lord, this morning we come to you. And Jesus, we make it our prayer, Lord. God, only you know what's up ahead this year. But Lord, I'm reminded of even of the trials and tribulations those disciples, those apostles faced. Oh, on the brink of persecution, yet they were still imitating you, loving you. Lord, help us today. Let our mouths be full of life. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, let our hearts be transformed. And therefore, let it come through our deeds that would glorify you, Jesus. We want to imitate you, Jesus. Lord, help us today to be made, this church to be made up of not a bunch of nominal Christians in name, but people who can say, oh, I'm just imitating Jesus. I'm just imitating Jesus. What Jesus does, I do. How he loves, I love. How he forgives, I forgive. Lord, do it in me. Do it in me. This morning you need prayer. You would like to join me in that prayer this morning. Would you just come and can we just make it a prayer this year to the Lord? God, everything I do, I want to imitate you. Feel free to come this morning. I'm going to say yes, Lord, to you. God, whatever you want to do this year, we're going to imitate Jesus. We're going to imitate you, Lord. God's working in your life, transforming you. Come this morning. We want to help pray for you. It's nothing like having prayer from a brother and sister in Christ. And as you come this morning, we're going to sing a song today. We're going to tell it to the Lord as our prayer.